this week on the Sportsman Like Conduct. We break down the Lions game, who did lose this weekend to Carolina by three points. Kind of a surprise to all of us. We'll break that down and recap what's coming up next for them. Then we go down to Michigan and Michigan State, where the battle at the Big House didn't exactly go the way that the state or the majority of the state planned, and instead went to Michigan State. They get the win over Michigan. We'll break that down and what's next for both teams, who's for real and who's not. And then we'll go into the MLB playoffs. Uh, I was wrong on a couple of my predictions. My partners were right. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll predict what's going to happen there next. And then we go into Cam Newton going back in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the comment that he made towards women reporters, um, we'll get Elena's take on that and what she thinks about it, and we'll also all break it down here on the Sports Molly Conduct. Listen, my name is Andrew McDonald, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, as always. To my left, Elena Hess. Elena, how are we doing? I'm doing better. It was a tough weekend for the sports teams, but the sports teams that I like anyways. But, yeah, we're doing better. No doubt. I, I just about picked everything wrong, so I agree with that 100%. And to my right, we got the birthday boy in the house, <laughs> Evan Petzold. Evan, how are we doing? Yeah, the big uh, one nine nineteen today. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, Elena, you know, Lions lost, Michigan lost, but... You know, for me, I got my birthday, and I had that to look forward to. Um, so now being here today on my birthday, couldn't ask for anything better. How does it feel to be 19, Evan? Is that is that just a special age too? Not really. <laughs> okay, That's the worst I'm, age I'm waiting to for be. I'm waiting for 21. Um, <laughs> for reasons that I will not explain. For sure. That honestly, the the 19 and 20 age, they they weren't my favorite. I won't lie to you, man. But you just push through them and, and get through day by day. It'll 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 be okay for you. I promise you'll survive. Um, nevertheless, uh, we're gonna talk about the Lions here first. Um, kind of a surprise uh, at home, the way that they started against Carolina. Um, where they were down early in the game. Uh, they they, they kind of just put themselves in a hole and never could really get out of it. Gave up a lot of big plays. Um, I think the, I think the most surprising player in the, of the weekend for that game was Ed Dixon. He had five catches for 175 yards. That's that's a tight end that, I mean, is not like a waiver wire ad in fantasy. No one really knew who he was, but he just kind of played good, and he, he had a couple breakaway plays that just set him up. The Lions defense didn't really play bad overall, but they allowed those big plays to be able to allow Carolina to get some easy points. Um, in the fourth quarter, the Lions scored 14 unanswered points to try to come back, uh, even the score up at what ended up being the final at 27-24. Um, but they were they were able to get things close, and it looked like they were going to have a chance. And honestly, in my opinion, I think if Stafford gets the ball back there and they, uh, Carolina doesn't get that first down in the game, I think that the Lions have a really good chance to be able to come back and win that game. But Carolina got the job done. Cam Newton made a big pass on a third down. Um, and speaking of Cam Newton, he went 26 to 33 for 355 yards and three touchdowns. So whatever distractions he did have in the uh, the week coming up that we will talk about later, obviously didn't affect his play too much. Stafford didn't play bad himself. Uh, 23 to 35. You'd like to see that maybe a little bit more improved. But 229 yards for two touchdowns overall. That's that's pretty good. I think what really sucks and what went downhill in this game for the Lions game was their running game. Um, Amir Abdullah was their leading rusher with 31 yards on 10 carries, which I mean, just is, it's it's not good enough. What's they, new, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there needs there needs to be more there. Um, so I mean, simply just you can't give up the big plays, can't put yourself in a hole like that. It's two three and one teams. It's not like Carolina's a bad team. They're four and one. They, I mean, they're got to be as much as what their record says, and they haven't lost in the road yet. They're three and zero. Oh. So overall, it's a it's a good team to lose to, but it's still something that the Lions didn't want to do at home. I'm going to ask you guys for your takes on that. Evan, what's yours? Here's the thing. Looking at the Lions, and really throughout the entire season so far, game against Arizona, first game of the season, uh, Abdullah ran for just 30 yards. That was uh, the team high um, rusher there in that one. But you know, while the Lions did get the win, it was a defensive win in that game. The defense came up big a couple times. 
You know, they only allowed 23 points. That's not too bad to a to an Arizona team that that likes to throw the ball a lot. Um, you know, granted, Arizona did lose their running back in that game, but I mean, nevertheless, that's 30 rushing yards. All right, and, and they got to win. But next game, 86 86 rushing yards, and the Lions win. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 47 rushing yards in the next game against Atlanta, Lions lose. Then 94 against Minnesota, the Lions win. And then 31 against Carolina, and the Lions lose. I mean, this team Stafford can only do so much. I mean, yeah. I mean, Elena, you were talking about it last week that, that he got sacked six times by Minnesota. He got sacked six times again on Sunday. If that doesn't change, he's not going to make it through the season. And then what do you have to what do you have to fall back on? Because you don't have a running running game to fall back on. So. It's just really a mess, I think, with the Lions right now um, as far as their run game goes. I mean, I love the team. I think that they're definitely taking positive strides, nothing against against the Lions at all. I'm thoroughly impressed with them this season, even as a 3-2 and two team right now. But if they can just get that run game all figured out, they're going to be clicking on all cylinders, and this is going to be a team that's going to be really scary, but they got to get that figured out. Yeah, for sure, 100%. I agree with you said about the record overall. I really, the first five games, I wouldn't guess they're 3-2. and two. They've already been proving me wrong there, but this is this is a game that I definitely didn't think that, that was good for them to lose. Yeah, I think that they needed a win like this, especially at home. But, um, Elena? Uh, I agree with Evan. He took the words right out of my mouth, actually. Like, uh, Matthew Stafford getting sacked after sack, and... It seemed like the Lions offense was like sleepwalking through this, like the first half of the game at least. And it's just like we've seen it before, like they don't come alive till the second half and then they're playing from behind and it never works. I mean, sometimes it works out in their favor, but here we see it. It's always a risk. Yeah, it's yeah. always, always a, risk. a risk. And this time they come up short. So it's just they need to get it together. They need to get their running game. So. And can somebody please cover Ed Dixon? Is that possible? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Is that at all man, possible? Like, I mean, first half, four receptions, 152 <clears throat> yards. Like, what's that all about? Come it, on. It was the big plays. He, did, he broke away and got a couple and set him up right inside. Literally him both times. Set him up inside the 10-yard line for an easy score. And you simply just can't let that happen. That's how you fall behind his big plays um, in football games. But, Elena, I did, uh, like you said, about how their offense was just kind of sleepwalking the first half. And I forget who the commentator uh, was in the game. Like, pardon me for that. I can't remember right now. But... Um, he was saying that, you know, the Lions had a bunch of fourth-quarter comebacks or whatever, but the, you, you can't just do that every single season. That doesn't just happen. What the Lions did last year isn't going to happen every single game. And when you put yourself in a big hole like that, sure, they started to come back, but it, just, it proved to be too much to handle. So what does this team need to do to avoid falling behind so quickly in games? I think just getting out to a hot start. But, I mean, that's easier said than yeah. done. <laughs> um, and I don't know if there's really one thing that, that they can do. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ideas of just one thing that they could do, maybe, but I don't really have anything um, that they could that they could do. I mean, I could say you know pick up the run game, but that's kind of like a over the course of a game kind mm-hmm. of thing. I don't I don't think there's anything specific they can do. Just start off better. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know, Elena. Do you have any ideas on, on just, what they could do? I think they just need to stop playing it safe on offense. Really, I think they kind of depend on their defense a little too much. Well, that's the thing because I mean, you look at this last game, turnovers dried up against Carolina. Yeah. Cam Newton balled out, and look what you have, a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't always expect the defense um, to play well. Granted, Stafford's only thrown one interception. He, he's been pretty pretty darn good all year. But it does seem like they rely on the defense a little bit too much, and it's almost like sometimes they play this this timid offense. They're not, you know, sometimes I feel like they're almost playing, you know, not to lose mm-hmm. rather than playing just to win and going and, you know, putting the foot on the gas all the way down all the time. Maybe we could see a change there and, and – Maybe we'll see a difference. I'm not really sure. And like you said, uh, he doesn't throw many uh, interceptions, but he against Minnesota, he uh, had at least three passes that could have been intercepted. Yeah. And but he like 
they didn't. They weren't, but they were close. And on Sunday, Stafford fumbled twice, and he only lost one of them. But yeah, turnovers are so. big. You, you can't have turnovers either at any point in the game. But overall, I think it's just about sustaining drives. When the Lions came out early in this game, they had a lot of three and outs or a lot, a lot of drives that just weren't working for them. That's where the run game comes in that you were talking about. If the Lions can't sustain the run game like they were able to show against Minnesota, even in a closer game where they scored less points, that's still – I mean, some of these points at the end of the game, like for the Lions, it's because of prevent defense. I mean, let's be honest. Like, it's because teams are laying off a little bit more and playing not to lose and trying to keep everything in front of them. So the time just runs out because they knew that the time would end up killing the Lions at the end of the game. Now, of course, they probably didn't plan on getting that close to being three points again. When you put yourself in a hole like that, it just hurts so much and – I think that if they, they need to be able to sustain some kind of run game, whether it's Abdullah getting the ball, whether it's Zach Zenner maybe starts getting more carries, he had a touchdown this game, but I know that he's you know struggled at times to really find anything. I got a bold prediction for you here. Just, just kind of throwing this out here. You talk about the run game, so I got to ask <laughs> you Abdullah, Abdullah, Abdullah. Does he go for over 100 yards at, at all this year in any uh, single game? I, it's hard I mean, to he say had, He had 94 no. against Minnesota. It's hard he to say right no because he could break away. On a run, um, mm-hmm. but if if you're gonna if you're gonna give it like from a standpoint of just like carries, no, I would say no. I don't think he's a good enough running back to do that. If he breaks away a seventy yard run and then you know picks up thirty more yards the rest of the game, then sure he'll probably get over a hundred once. But consistent runs and like yards per carry, I don't see him. I don't see him being able to put together a hundred yard game this season. That's fair. That's fair to say. I don't think so either. It, I I just don't. I don't know where the Lions are gonna be able to develop this running game, and I think theoretic needs to start getting more involved. Um, if they can get them there, I think that they need to start using what they were doing a lot last year where their running game was still pretty much in their passing game where it was throwing to him out of the backfield and doing short passes. They just got, even with Abdullah, I mean, I know he's not the, as, as good of a pass catcher, but he still can, he still could probably make some It mixes it up, game. though. That's the thing. Exactly. It mixes it up. And then you know what? Maybe one time he does get that hole, and, he, and he's gone. Not, you got to mix it up. Not the same kind of boring plays that you run all game in the run game, like run it up the gut, and I see Abdullah go for two yards. I'm like, why is this guy running up the gut? It, it frustrates me because he's not – Really, a between the tackles runner. At least he's not built to be like one. So like we want Zach Zenner in that situation, maybe. Exactly. Instead so, of Abdullah going <laughs> trying to pound up the middle, I like him. He was more of a guy that can bounce around outside and and try to break away. But exactly. I don't know. Who knows with this team? Sometimes who knows? Well, they got a Saints team coming in that has struggled this season, to say the least. They struggled the past bunch of seasons. Um, what do you, what what's the key in this game? What lines need to do? They're on the road in New Orleans. They've had success there in the past. I believe they did win there last year. They played against her, maybe it was two years ago. Last time they played there, I know that they did beat them. Um, what What do you guys think they need to do this week? Elena, I'll start with you. Well, I think, uh, as we saw this last week, they just need to come out strong and start in the first half this time and not get behind. And And I think they'll, they'll kind of, I think they'll win this one pretty easy if they do that. They won't have a problem, it doesn't seem. Here's my thing I think Drew Brees is really darn good. Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And I think the Lions rely on turnovers. Um, so I think if the Lions can come out here and, you know, maybe they can they can read Breeze in, in his offense a little bit, get an interception or two early. Uh, saying two interceptions is a lot because, you know, Drew Breeze, he hasn't thrown one all season. And that's kind of where I, I'm, you know, a little bit nervous about this team yeah. coming in because, you know, they do rely on those turnovers, like I was mentioning earlier. So if you can come in and you can, you can get a pick early or you can get that momentum swing and, you know, kind of tear down the Saints offense – Maybe you got a chance, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think in this one. Yeah, they they don't have to worry about Adrian Peterson anymore because he just got <laughs> traded <laughs> yeah. off the team that did the Cardinals. Not like you had so. to worry about him anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, that that trade made absolutely no sense, and I don't think anyone understood why they ever did it because he just didn't fit that offense at all. I think I think Mark Ingram's role starts to really grow down <clears> that <throat> offense. Um, but Michael Thomas is a guy to pay attention to. Twenty five receptions for three hundred ten yards, two touchdowns this season. 
He's been consistent for Drew Brees. He's a guy they likes to use. And there's also a good chance that he gets Willie's knee back, the guy from Muskegon, uh, Michigan, <laughs> gets him back. And last year he used him as a weapon too. So the Lions are going to have their hands full on defense. And Slay got beat a lot last weekend. I don't know if you guys like watched him like uh, separately, but there was a lot of plays where he got beat. And on a couple of those plays of Dixon, he, he was actually someone that was getting burned by. So um, hopefully they can figure that out because if they don't, they're going to really struggle against a combination like that with Drew Brees passing the ball. Um, what do you guys have for scores this weekend? This weekend I got the Lions beating the Saints 17 times. I think it's going to be pretty pretty close. Okay. Um, I'll go 21-14. Lions. 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 <laughs> of course. Okay, so of course. <laughs> both picking Lions. I, I'm going to go shoot out, and I'm going to go Lions win 31-27. to I, I hope we're I, not all wrong. I, I hope we're not all I, wrong. I, I'm going to pick them again this week. I just don't. I don't, I don't think the Saints are that good, and, and it seems like the Lions have always handled them well, like as long as Stafford's been quarterback and they've had good enough defenses to be able to at least give their offense enough breathing room to win the game. So I, I think that same trait continues here with the way they've been this season. They already proved to me that they could bounce back off a tough loss when they beat Minnesota. So this is a game that they know that they need to have to avoid going back to 500. I think they get the job done in a shootout. Um, but moving on from that, a game that definitely wasn't a shootout um, this past weekend was Michigan and Michigan State. Um, I think it. I think it's fair to say it surprised everybody. It definitely surprised all of us. Um, it wasn't a very loud week from a lot of Michigan State fans. They were quiet. I don't think they even expect their team to come out and do this. Michigan fans were generally pretty cocky this week, thinking that they were going to get the job done, and it just didn't happen. Um, they 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 came out and the first drive of the game looked great for Michigan. Like they're going to be able to put the ball in the end zone, and the minute they get down to the red zone, they go away from what we talked about a week ago, which was you know doing play action, rolling it out, hitting your tight end, finding people in the red zone. I mean, you literally can sit here and laugh about it with how like bad that these guys are not. It, the the play calling is so bad that it just baffles me. I don't really know what to think. Um, but, yeah, so Michigan gets down inside the red zone, and they decide to spread it out and do a couple of fade routes towards the end zone to receivers that are freshmen and, like, you know, younger. So, and Eddie McDoomer doesn't play a lot. It's just questionable. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think it made a lot of sense to anybody. Instead, they end up having to kick a field goal there, something that, you know, Michigan was used to before the Purdue game. Um, and then Michigan State came out and punched Michigan in the mouth in the first half. Uh, Brian Lewerke, uh, that that Isaac fumble is huge. It gave Michigan State the ball um, on their side or on Michigan side of the fifty. Um, Brian Lewerke capped it off with a fourteen yard run. He proved that he can really be a mobile quarterback and throw for Michigan State. Um, obviously, the second half is a little bit of a different story. But when you know the weather was normal and they could play, both teams could play their normal offenses. Michigan State's definitely looked really effective. Um, they were able to score, get up seven to three, and then right when they got the ball back the next drive that was probably the best drive of the game from either offense Michigan State went right down the field scored on Michigan ended up with that uh London uh touchdown pass from Brian Lorkey a great play a couple really good play fakes and then that screen out to the right um ended up taking the 14 to 3 lead into the break third quarter comes out and Michigan State starts beating themselves a little bit Michigan was the team that was kind of beating themselves in the first half where there was penalties uh a couple questionable penalties I will say but penalties and then the fumble uh, Michigan State comes out in the second or half, and they have a punt uh, punted to them, and their punt returner ends up fumbling it off his hands, rolls towards the goal line. Michigan State ends up having to punt from really deep in their own territory, gives Michigan the ball back in around 35, and then Michigan ends up scoring a touchdown. Clay Hill gets the run in from one yard after Grant Perry caught the pass by the goal line that was uh, reviewed and called back. They end up getting the touchdown anyways. 14-10, to 10, and then, uh, Evan, you were there. Uh, the hurricane started. Uh, I guess just that was so bad. Just first off, how was that? Like on the field, honestly, that was so bad. I was down taking pictures on the field, and 
Head to toe, soaked, socks, wet, <laughs> underwear, wet, everything wet. I don't think I had, I think I was just wet, I had my whole body. Like, I, I, it was so bad. My camera waterlogged, that was a mess. Then I thought about the fact that I had to walk back, soaking wet, to my car, and that was like a 30-minute walk, because, you know, you can't take an Uber in Ann Arbor after a game yeah. like that. You're not going to get anywhere. Oh, geez, it was bad. It was bad, and it was cold, too, because I wasn't in the stands. I didn't have the body heat around me. I didn't have people. I didn't have a poncho. Yeah. I was in... T-shirt and shorts. That was the worst thing I ever made in my life. Yeah, that even, was so bad. Even when it rolled through where I was, because it went through pretty much the whole state, um, it was it got like literally it felt like it got like 20, 25 degrees colder the minute that that rain hit. So I can yeah. really imagine how it felt down there with it blowing like that and stuff. Nevertheless, that changed the game. Um, in one way or another, no matter it's not an excuse for Michigan for losing the game, just it did. It changed the game. It changed the atmosphere. It changed what teams could do. And Mark D'Antonio adjusted to it and did what he was supposed to do and. In my opinion, Jim Harbaugh did it, and their off, their offense did. They had a drive where they started moving the ball. Cron Higdon got a couple first downs, um, and then he got another like you know seven or eight yard run and a holding call on Mason Cole brought it back uh, to be around a, a first and twenty. And Michigan started spreading the ball on passing, and then they when they got the ball back again on the next possession, they elected to just keep going to the spread and trying to pass five wide, nobody back by O'Corn, and it just didn't work out. He ended up throwing three interceptions in the day. Um, and it was just a mess for Michigan's offense. Michigan State basically just played conservative, played smart, punted the ball, killed as much time as they possibly could, relied on their defense, and Michigan didn't make adjustments to try to do anything different um, with the running game and ended up just losing um, in that fashion. 14-10, to 10, no one scored. Michigan State gets their eighth win uh, with Mark D'Antonio there. What do you guys have to say? Uh, Elaine, I'll start with you. <laughs> well, my, my biggest question is, what what is Harbaugh doing? Like, what do we do with Harbaugh next? Like, we're all like praising Harbaugh all the time, but now it's like this kind of made me question like, what is he really doing? Because we haven't really done anything spectacular since he's been here. Like a couple ten win seasons yeah. is really all you can hang your hat on with the bowl win against Florida. I mean, that's like and and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. A ten win season looks looks really good, right? If you know the the, the coach that you have coming in is a is a new guy, right? Yeah, and someone yeah, yeah. that you don't really you know know a ton about. Or you know maybe even you know a seven win season that that's fine if if he's not a guy that's done anything but this is this Jim is Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh we're talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. like that that's my problem that that is my problem is is it, it's Jim Harbaugh it's not some random it's not some guy it's not you Andy walking off the streets coming into <laughs> it's a coach for Michigan yeah I'll tell you what I think that our room right here could coach that offense better than what they've been I I, I would take any of us over Pep Hamilton and and Drevno right get Drevno out of there <laughs> I'm and sick you were, of him you were saying yesterday Andy about how. Um, Harbaugh hired his buddies, and it, I think that's a big problem. It is. I mean, it, he like he likes Trevno a lot, and I, I don't think he's going to get rid of him. He obviously defended him after the game, saying the reason they kept passing in that storm was because they were trying to put together a drive. That was really frustrating for me to hear. I I, I could go off on that, but because it's just like you weren't sustaining drives. Why are you? Why are you bringing it up that you were? I mean, it's it's just a bad comment. It wasn't the right thing for Harbaugh to say, in my opinion, at that time. But no matter what you want to say, the honeymoon is over. People are mad right now and have every right to be mad. Um, one in four versus your key rivals, and most likely one in five, I think says it all. I, mean, I, I don't see them being Ohio State this year, to be completely honest. I, I, I Against the big three, it's going to be no, very tough they for them won't. to get anyone. They won't. They, won't, <laughs> beat, they won't beat Ohio State. They yeah. won't beat Ohio State, and they will not beat Penn State, and I really don't think they're going to beat Wisconsin. Neither do I. And I'm really <laughs> not sure they're going to beat Indiana this week. Yeah, exactly. Because this coaching road. staff is awful. It's you bring in You bring in Pep Hamilton from Cleveland – the Cleveland Browns, name name a <laughs> Cleveland Brown quarterback that's turned out to be good in the past, None. what, 
10 years. None. That's why they keep having to do That's why Deshaun Kaiser is their quarterback. Exactly. Right so now. why do you think that this guy's going to be able to, to, you know, make Wilton Spate this NFL quarterback and breed him the way that, you know, he's supposed to be? No, no, that that's awful. The quarterback play has been terrible since Rudock. Mm-hmm. Rudock was an NFL-type quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, they did kind of resurrect Rudock, and they did make him into the NFL player they, that, was that a, he is. That was a good, in my opinion. But I think that was mostly Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And the problem is 100%. I think now it's Pep Hamilton. And that really ticks me off. Quarterback whisperer isn't doing his job. As exactly. They, as they call exactly. exactly. And this is the thing. This is the thing. John O'Corn, he's in his third year with Michigan. All right? Threw three interceptions. Ty Isaac, he's a fifth-year senior. Fumbled. All right? Karan <laughs> Higdon Jr., he had an awful holding penalty that yeah. didn't allow Cost Michigan to, to score a touchdown. Yep. touchdown. And, you know, we want to sit here and, you know, sometimes we sit here and talk. You know, yeah, we got young guys. You know, Peoples-Jones, he's, he's really young. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, young, you know, Chris Evans, only a sophomore, whatever. These are these are guys that have experience. It doesn't matter if they played or not. They they have that college atmosphere experience. They played in the rain before. Mm-hmm. They, they know what they're doing. Like, come on. That's, that's my thing is you're letting these – Guys that, that are veterans come out here and play, and they stink it up. Like, yeah. what's, what's, like I don't get what's up with that. One thing I will say is that in the second half of that game, I don't, I'm not going to put a lot of blame on John O'Corn. I'm going to put it more on Michigan's coaching staff for putting him in a position to make those mistakes. Like, why pass yeah. the ball? Yeah, like, I, why? I, I don't understand, man, because <laughs> what frustrates me the most when, when I was going through the game breakdown, the summary of it, when they got those first downs running with Higdon, and then they refused to go back. I understand when they got the holding penalty – and you're back at, you know, first and I forget what it was, but it was round first and 20. When you go back to that and you got to you gotta get a first down, obviously, still, you, you got to throw some passes there. And the, and the rain wasn't even as bad at that time. But when the rain started pouring down, why not just give the ball back to the guy who's been running hot all night? Higdon was running the ball good at times. Like, it, he, when he found holes and had chances, he did it. Here's the thing. This team is not uh, a West Coast offense. This is not no. Brady Hoke. This is not Rich Rod. This is, this is Jim Harbaugh. This is pound it in your face, Big Ten football. And Michigan did not play that way. Michigan played West Coast offense. You know what? Let's let's run around like like little girls out there and, and throw it around. <laughs> and it's 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 just it's just it's just sad. And the sad the sad thing is the defense works their butts off all night. Well, yeah. Thank you, Don Brown. Don Brown is still a beast. I got to give it up to Michigan's Don Brown. Michigan's defense played phenomenal. But Don yeah. Brown's gonna keep them in every single game. <laughs> He'll keep them in every single game they play. But Michigan's gonna lose by a touchdown. They'll lose by ten. <laughs> They'll lose by 14, but Don Brown's going to keep him in it, and that sucks. <laughs> tell you what, it's bad timing for Michigan. If they had last year's offense and this and year's defense, defense, I'll tell you what, I'd be picking them to win the Big Ten. That's the thing, though. You don't you don't have Darbo, you don't have Chesson, you know, Jake you don't Butt, you don't have 60. Davion Smith, you don't have you don't have Jake Butt anymore. Like that that's that's gone. Yeah, that's gone. And and not, I mean, I think they still have enough talent to win games. And I and I think what Nick Bumgarner wrote about. Um, uh, God, I can't think of his uh, name right now. Um, Diamond Peoples Jones, like his steps and how he's not getting out quick enough, and he's taking like three steps. And he's when he's near the sideline, he's not positioning himself right to make catches and just all the stuff. That's one hundred percent true, and, and that's just more being a freshman, I think, than anything else. You got to stop, like you said, the NFL plays, like, and and you got a coach that's never worked. Adjust back to your talent. Michigan has younger talent right now. Why don't you go back to what works for them? You know, m- make plays that are more simple. You know what they did against against Purdue? It frustrates me so much. You can go back and look at that game, and the slant routes, and the and the easy like quick outs, and the and the different little changes in the running game, like the the one pitch to Chris Evans for the touchdown right in the backfield. That's like a play I've never even seen before, but it worked really well and it, it got a score. That's the kind of stuff that Michigan needs to do. You need to switch things up instead of just doing the the, the same plays that aren't working. They reverted back to something that didn't work before that Purdue game, that entire game, and it was in terrible weather in conditions that you simply can't play that kind of stuff in. And they and by the time that 
it even mattered. It was just too late. They, they, they had to pass the ball by the time that there was, you know, three minutes left in the game. The best, uh, you know, description that I kind of have for it is almost like, you know, taking, let's say, Duke basketball. Let's say taking their playbook and handing it to a fifth and sixth grade team and saying, here, learn this, figure out what you're going to do. <laughs> you know, yeah, you guys went undefeated last year in your, in your you know, league player, whatever, fifth and sixth grade team, but you got to learn that you got to learn this now. Like they can't like, like the same way Michigan, they, they have to adjust. Like you said, they can't keep running the same thing. And, and this it's, it's just a mess. And honestly, I wonder if Nick Baumgartner was the only one that really noticed people's Jones step issue, because I'm sure the, I'm sure the coaching staff. It's an article that's it. been talked about a lot this week. He I'm went sure, back I'm sure the coaching staff didn't see it though. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't. Honestly, I mean, he went back and looked at the film and I, I give the guy credit for it. Cause it was smart. I mean, it's just, it, it's something to look at that you probably wouldn't have thought about, but um, no, Michigan has more problems they can handle on offense right now, and if if they don't find a way to adjust, they're gonna be they're gonna be in a lot of problems. But n- enough about the team that lost. I want to talk a little bit about the team that won, Michigan State. Okay, they didn't score any points again in the second half. Uh, again, they didn't they didn't do anything. They didn't look that effective. But once again, I think that that was more Mark Antonio saying that this offense can't score against my defense. Why am I gonna put myself? Why am I gonna put my offense in a position? to either turn the ball over and give Michigan field position back, the only way that Michigan scored all game, or or am I going to you know just punt the ball and try to be conservative and force Michigan to go 80 yards on the field and score a touchdown? He did that all game. Michigan couldn't do it. And their defense looked at a stingy defense that hasn't been allowing a lot of points this year, and they beat a team that nearly beat Penn State, and now they beat Michigan, a team that was ranked in the top 10. Whether we, We'll find out if they were – a real top ten caliber team over the next few weeks. Obviously, right now they don't look like it. So hopefully, uh, Jim Harbaugh picked up on D'Antonio's scheme there um, because they're going to need it in the future um, for Michigan. But yeah, I mean, Michigan State they came out and they played. Brian Lewerke, I mean, eleven for twenty-two, ninety-four yards, a touchdown, and then on the ground, fifteen carries for sixty-one yards and a touchdown. He didn't really, he didn't really, he didn't really do much. I mean, yes, two touchdowns. Like that's really nice, but he didn't light it up. No, his offensive his stats were lighted up they, with his arm. They didn't have good stats. But that's either. the thing, though. That's the thing, though. <laughs> Michigan State—they came out and they just played. They played a football game. Mm-hmm. They weren't worried about scoring x amount of touchdowns. They were just there to play the game, and you know, you know trust their defense and trust their offense to to you know give the defense a few breaks, and that's what they did, and they won the game. But I mean, I, I even said before, I said you know Michigan—they're going to have to shut down Lewerke with his arm or with his leg. They can't let him you know do both. They shut both down, and they still lost. I think that just says something about Michigan State and their coaching. I think that was just excellent coaching all game long. 100%. I, it was coaching. He had out coached. And we were talking about how a couple weeks ago we were talking about what's next for D'Antonio. Well, after this win, it's like it's, it he's always, not going anywhere. It, nope. Exactly. After this win, like, he's not going anywhere. And he always seems like we, no matter how bad or whatever we say Michigan State was like a couple weeks ago, they're always going to come out and attack Michigan. You know what's funny, though? You know what's funny, though? You take Jim Harbaugh, and you say, all right, Jim Harbaugh, you beat Ohio State. Let's say he does. Jim Harbaugh's booked for the next two years. He's good. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as long as you beat him every once in a while, you're good. It's a, it's sad, but it's true. Yeah. It's sad, mm-hmm. but it's true. I, I And I still get Michigan State's schedule. I, I don't think that they're going to be some knock-you-out team because this team still has a lot of flaws. No matter what you want to say, not scoring points in the second half is not good. Now, this game is a little bit of an asterisk next to it, as it does for both teams, because the weather was a little bit different. You don't get to play your full sets. They just played it smart and won the game in the situation that they had. Actually, Brian Lewerke's dad, I read, said uh, to him before, before the game, um, you got to score as many points as you possibly can in the first half because that weather is coming in the second half. And what did I say last week when we were talking about the podcast? Michigan needs to start fast. I said that was the key to the game. I said you can't come out and start slow because you're going to get beat. And, I, and that had nothing to do with the weather. That was just in general. 
and Michigan did it, and it ended up hurting them even worse when the weather came in like that. Well, well, so where do you think Michigan State ends up by the end of the year as far as record-wise? I mean, because I, I, see, I see it playing out this way. I mean, they have Minnesota, Indiana, Northwestern. I think those are all games that oh, they could easily State win. should be able to win. I think they lose at least one, though. I will make a bold prediction yeah. okay. and say that. I think then, there's two games say, in the road there, and they're going to lose at least one. But then I say they do drop to Penn State and Ohio mm-hmm. State. I think they bounce back with a win over Maryland. And then and Rutgers. I mean, the Rutgers, end of the that's, schedule. That's, that's a win. That's weird this year against Penn State. They usually pay Penn State at the end of every single season, like right at the end of their schedule. I mean, let's say that different. they do, though. Let's say that they do beat Minnesota, Indiana, Northwestern all three in a row. And, I mean, you're, you're looking at them possibly having three losses, four losses, if, if they do lose one of those three games in there. That's not that's not bad. No, M- Michigan State's a team right now that, honestly, I mean, they're 2-0 in the Big Ten. They beat two. I mean, Michigan's supposed to be an upper team, but I really don't know what Michigan is right now, to be honest. But you look at um, Iowa; is it, that's another team that's in the middle. Michigan State's looking like a team that is just as e- just as easily as Michigan. If you're if you're still if you're a Michigan fan out there and you still have hopes for them winning the Big Ten, I put my money on Michigan State just as equally right now to be able to win the Big Ten. If either one of those teams are going to be able to do it, like I don't see a, that big of a difference right now between Michigan and Michigan State because they both have pretty good defenses. I'd say Michigan's is a little bit better, but I think with Michigan State's offense is a little bit better than Michigan's offense. So. I give Michigan State the edge to win it over Michigan. One hundred percent. You know, one one to one there because. Michigan State's already got a already got a win over Michigan. Michigan's already got a Big Ten loss, so it's interesting. This it's, is this is it's a not weird what I expected. season. This is not what any of us expected. I don't believe. It's, totally it's different from what we were thinking last week. Oh, I know, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, and I think that goes to say, like I said, for most people, I don't think a lot of people knew that um, they were gonna they're gonna be able to be this good and be able to team to come out and do this. But they, like I said, they still have a lot of flaws. When Brian Lewerke is your leading rusher for the past two weeks, that's something's that's gotta get fixed. You're not gonna win games like that. Someone's gonna start keying the guy. And he's either gonna get hurt because he's gonna get popped too many times, like just knocked over, or it's just it's just gonna not work when someone is smart enough to just put a linebacker on that guy's head constantly and be able to stop him. They they have to find some other kind of game to be able to move it a little bit more. Because I mean, yes, if you're a Michigan State fan, you're happy with this win, but I, if if I if personally if if I'm you know a Michigan State fan, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, man, we haven't scored any points in the second half in the last two weeks. We're never gonna beat any of the better teams in the conference if we don't start doing more than that. So. Michigan State's offense definitely still has a lot to do. I don't think that either one of these teams comes anywhere near to winning the conference. I think they're both about four lost teams by the end of the season, to be honest. Um, I, I still picked Michigan State to be a 6-6 six and six team coming into the year, but I did pick Michigan to be 8-4. and four. Those are my preseason predictions. So Looking good. I know. Looking, good <laughs> looking very good right now. I, and to be honest with you, I just didn't think that the loss would be against Michigan State. I thought that Michigan would lose the big three. I just didn't see it this year. I looked at their talent and their offense. I'm like, this is a lot of new talent. I don't know if it's going to gel well, and right now it's really not. Um, and, the, and the play calling is what makes it even worse. That That's what – the fact that I heard that it goes through three different people um, and then it comes back to Harbaugh, and Harbaugh said that he has the final say in the play, how do four coaches think that what is going on in that field right now is right? That exactly. That's what I just can't figure out. So I don't have any confidence. You can't in, call – I don't think that's true, though. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if – I don't I don't know. I mean, Harbaugh – I mean, no, I mean, I get the whole – the process. Yeah. But as far as Harbaugh having the final say – I'm just saying what it is. Maybe every once in a while. I know, I know. That's what he he said. He's probably just defending his coach. Exactly. I'm saying maybe every once in a while. He'll be like, eh, no, switch it up. Yeah. But for the most part, I wonder if he's like, all right, run it. I mean, sometimes you have to. I mean, the plays go so quick. That's what, exactly. I don't know. It's tough. It is. I mean, Michigan did have a chance to win the game at the end uh, for what it was. Eddie McDoon (laughs) had probably the the worst drop of the season right there um but it shouldn't have came down to that though exactly like once again you know you look at you look at the weather and you know Michigan State tried to beat themselves the the holding penalty at the end of the game that stopped the clock and essentially gave Michigan another timeout and then the late hit on Karan Higdon out of bounds set him up for another another play and they just couldn't get it and that that 
nine catch from Eddie McDoom just you know it killed him. So, nevertheless, Michigan loses. Uh, they don't get the win there. So Michigan moves to four and one. Michigan State's four and one. They're both equal in record. We will uh, keep following them and see where they turn out. We'll go to baseball, where uh, you know I continued to be wrong for the most part, um, <laughs> except for the wild card games. I'll give myself that. Pick both those right, but did set up to get the Diamondbacks and uh, <clears throat> Dodgers in that series, and you guys were both right. Dodgers got the job done. I thought the Diamondbacks might be that team that could come out and surprise some people. Instead, they didn't do it. Uh, they didn't get enough big hits that uh, timely. Their their pitching kind of shut down on them, and they didn't get the job done. And then Houston, the other side of the bracket. Um, advances over Boston, which I think all of us were surprised about. I didn't, I didn't, I really thought the Boston was gonna have that. I thought just, I thought, the, I thought that those guys have been there enough now. Some of those younger guys on Boston team to be able to get the job done. And said Houston just pulled through. Uh, you know, our, our guy Verlander, he he tried to blow up for him yesterday. He came in his first <laughs> relief appearance and he actually gave up a run ever, or first relief appearance ever, but he gave up a run. So that they they came close and the inside the park home run, uh, from uh to start the inning for Boston was pretty insane. The ninth inning, but. Houston was able to hang on, get the strike on a Pedroia in the game. That was it. Um, so yeah, it's right now. It's set up as Houston's going to the um, ALCS, and uh, you got LA going to the NL- NLCS, and they're still waiting on a Game Five winner of um, New York and Cleveland, and then uh, the Cubs and Washington are still going at it as well. So starting with the series of uh, Cleveland and New York. One game left. Uh, the, the first two went to the Indians, uh, both pretty convincing wins. I mean, one of them was a, a 9-8 to eight win, which was uh, a, a pretty crazy game. But then the Yankees just come back home, and they get the job done at, at, in the Bronx, and they didn't let them beat them. But now you go back to Cleveland, where Cleveland won the first two games. What are the keys to this game? What, is, what, what happens for – what, what does each team need to do to win? I, I think a lot of it just comes down to pitching. You know, in, in this one with the Yankees having CeCe Sabathia on the hill and then as for the Indians, Corey Kluber – you know, and in my opinion, I think CeCe Sabathia, he's had his days. Um, yeah, he's got mm-hmm. some life left in him, but, I mean, he's had he, he's had his days. Corey Kluber, I mean, he, he's the guy right now. That's the thing that, that I really like about him is, is he's that go-to guy where, you know, he, he's, he's in his prime. Like, he, he's pitching, you know, at his best. And that's the thing that I kind of look at here in this one. I just think it's going to be a pitching battle, and I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty obvious right from the start that both these guys are, are going to be going at each other. Um, as far as a pitching matchup goes. But when push comes to shove, you know, I got to go with uh, Corey Kluber and the Indians here at home. You know, th- this this Indians team, like, they, they know they know when to turn it up. They know when they got to get it done, and they somehow always figure out a way to pull through. So, you know, I, I, I think we got to go uh, Indians here on this one. That team's 100% hungry to get back to the World Series. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. I, I, Kluber's the guy that they go to in a big game, like you were saying. That That's... That's who they point to to win a game. I don't think there's any way that he gets shut down. I think that this team knows that they, they need to get back there, and they want to prove that city that they can be a for real team. Obviously, at times during the season, they look like a team that was just going to be middling and average and kind of mellow out, and instead they won that big win streak, and now they are where they are. Well, here's the thing. Kluber, he didn't pitch too hot in game two, giving up six runs, but I guess that just means he's due for a good game then. Exactly. I mean, and, and and sometimes that gets to a pitcher. It makes him want to come back and pitch even better mm-hmm. the next game. When, when or, or it could hurt you as well. It could get in your head and, you know, mix it up. So it really just depends how he comes out. Elena, what do you think about this game? I agree with both of you. I think it's going to come down to who pitches a better game. I mean, Sabathia, he has that, all that experience, but he has he's had his days. Exactly. It's not his time anymore. So I think, uh, I think Cleveland's going to come out on top, and as you said, they're hungry. They want to get back there. So 100%. yep, I'm going with Cleveland. 
I don't I don't really see it going any other way. Um, I I think that the Yankees have had a good run, and Aaron Judge he came up with a big hit with a big double in that last game to be able to put him ahead by a lot. Um, so he he's been doing his part to be able to keep his team alive, and I think it's a good story, but. It's not a game seven, it's a game five, but it's a series decider. Anything can happen in these games. So we'll we'll see what actually does happen. But right now, um they're still fighting to get to a uh game seven with Chicago and uh Washington. Actually we're recording this on Tuesday. Um Washington and Chicago, they're going at it tonight for game four. Um the Cubs are the two one series lead. It it it's tough for me to pick against the Cubs personally, just because I think that, that They've already impressed me enough against the Nationals, but Bryce Harper had that huge hit um, a couple games ago in game two to be able to get him back up. He's a player that's going to you know look to do the same kind of thing in this game. He doesn't want to go away. I, I think personally the Cubs are just too much, but what do you guys think? You know, I think the Cubs are going to be a little bit too much in this game. I'm looking at the pitching matchup. We're going to see Jake Arrieta against Tanner Roark. Mm-hmm. And Arrieta, you know, he's one of those guys where, I mean, you hear Jake Arrieta and you, you think dominant pitcher. You already know. You already know, exactly. <laughs> you, you hear Tanner Roark and you think, I mean, I mean, he can toss it around a little bit. But I, I just think that, that this is going to be another one of those pitching matchups. I mean, I, a lot of baseball just comes down to pitching. You can Pretty only much do so game, much yeah. as a hitter. I mean, hitters can only do so much in games. And, and if you got a dominant guy in the mound and a bunch of great hitters and this dominant pitcher is mowing them down, it, hitting doesn't matter. Like, they're going to win the game because, mm-hmm. you know, they have a dominant pitcher that, that's doing so well. I just think Jake Arrieta fills that role. And, you know, I, I see – the Cubs getting the win here. For sure. I, I, I agree. Oh, I'm yeah. going to go with the Cubs, too. I just saw that now they just po- postponed the game. It's supposed to be tonight. So. Oh, that just came up? Yeah. So they, that's not happening tonight. Is it due to no. weather? Tomorrow, I'm yeah, weather. Yeah. So Wednesday okay. at 4. So, so it will be Wednesday. So our predictions will be ahead of time. Oh, <laughs> and the podcast should be posted before then. So you guys will be able to hear that. Um, But, yeah, no, I, I think that I think personally they're just too much. I mean, is there anything you think? I, always pitching. Baseball comes down to pitching unless you're – Jose Altuve, you can hit three home runs in one game. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, and the Astros are just looking good. But, yeah, going to this series, like you said, Arietta, that's that's tough guy to beat. I think that they shut it down in four games and uh, get ready for that next series. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, if that were to be the matchups, it would be Houston and Cleveland, and then it would be L.A. and the Cubs. So that's a couple of good series. Um, I think either way you look at it, that's, th- that's two top teams um, in the NL, and that's two top teams in the AL. So, It'd be, be pretty much everything you would expect if you were to look at it on paper, um, if both those matchups were to happen. So it really doesn't get much better than that. We're, we're all no. gonna be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hopefully we'll, not. We'll, we'll, <laughs> fi- we'll find a way to be wrong here, but no, for for sure. Um, if, we I, can, if we can get those teams though, you know, in the in the ALCS and the NLCS, I mean, that's gonna be a blessing just to watch. Like, oh yeah, it's for gonna sure. be some great baseball to watch. I'm I'm super stoked. Um, obviously, just for postseason baseball in general. But if that happens, that just makes it so much better. I've loved watching the postseason already, and I love watching those wild card games. Man, those things get crazy. That 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 uh, Arizona Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies game that was absolutely nuts. That that stuff went down to the wire. Um, but the the Diamondbacks were able to pull away. It was just like constant like coming back and stuff. So it was crazy. This guy Andy over here talking about postseason baseball with a Tampa Bay Rays hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> Honestly, not a fan of really the Rays, but I, I I've collected hats since I was younger. Okay, so I that's the story that. behind my hats that you guys don't know. But baseball is always my favorite sport. And when I used to play a lot of summer league like games, we didn't have to like wear like hats for like travel teams or anything like that. So it was always just like you could wear an MLB hat. 
So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to keep buying these hats. So Why not have them all, right? Yeah. Like ultimate I, picks. I, I went to Florida, and I went to a Rays game, so I bought this hat there. But I, I've done a bunch of a bunch of different stuff. Look at so. that. Good, good story behind it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch of different stuff. But, yeah, no, I, I you guys should see my hat collection. I'm only two hats off. Having, uh, no way. What are day. they? So, oh, God, if I have to think right now. I know one of them is a Cardinals. <laughs> I don't have a Cardinals yet, which are my friends would be really mad at me for. Uh, the other one... I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I know I only have two. No, it's a Christmas gift left there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, you give me the hats, I'd be 100% happy. So I don't have to buy them myself because they cost like $32 a pop. Know, right? I'm a college student, so it doesn't really work out well for me. It's kind of like, oh, am I wasting my money here? But that's why I've stopped buying them, honestly. Yeah. It's more of a high school thing. I bought most of them in high school. But nevertheless, that's where we're at in the postseason. We'll see what happens there. So now we're going to go into this thing, our, uh, our usual like off-topic kind of sports thing that we throw in here every single week. Um, we elected to go with the whole Cam Newton uh, post or press conference when he was asked um, by a question from a female reporter um, about I, I believe her name was Jordan. God, what was the last name? Then you guys know that it's, uh, it starts with an R. It's Jordan something. Um, but yeah, so she she asked a question um, about a route and she asked it uh, about Devin Funchess and said that you know he he's been doing better and it looks like his route running's been better. And Cam kind of chuckled like immediately when he got it. Um, or when, when he, like, heard the comment and then, you know, kind of kept, kept like, like smiling. And when he finally got to talk after she was done with the question, he, uh, he said this. I know you take a, a lot of pride in seeing your receivers play well. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes and, and making, getting those extra yards. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes, like, funny but uh fun is coming along man we're gonna we're gonna this is a big game for him because of you know him being from Detroit and um you know I know he want this win extremely bad and just to see his growth over the years completely different player I mean not just on the field and uh, you know I told him and Benji today you know those those guys preparation has been different this year and um you know credit the coaching for it um you know, and, and, and just moving forward, you know, we're going to expect those same things. And that was that was the full uh, response that he gave. The whole time that he kept giving the response, he's kind of, like, smiling, and he couldn't help it. And then when he looked back at her to, like, give her an answer, he, he still, like, smiled. It, it's just ridiculous, man. I, I've been in the business for not really the business, but, like, you know, I've worked with media now for a few years, and I've worked with plenty of women reporters that do their job 100% fine and just as good as me and better than me plenty of them so you know I in my, in my opinion and so many good stories I've read I don't understand why this kind of stuff has to keep happening I think it's just completely disrespectful anybody can do the job um in my opinion well, th- well this is my no well, this is my thing it's it's her job like she's yeah. paid to know what a route is exactly. she's paid to know how a route is is run she's paid to to know that 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 is her job the same way it's Cam Newton's job to throw a football down the field to a guy who ran a route Am I right? Mm-hmm. So I don't really understand why you go at her her like that. And, I mean, you, you totally, if you're Cam Newton, I mean, yeah, he had his apology and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, he, he did that because because she's a female. Mm-hmm. She, she mentioned the word female yeah. in there. And that that's the thing. He he specifically went at her because she was a female. And that, that's that's not cool with me. I don't I don't like that at all. I've been to press conferences. I, I've been to Michigan. Yeah. I've, I've done that stuff. No one's ever looked at me and made fun of me because I was young, or they never said. I mean, they never said anything like that. 
Like, I can only imagine if they did, like, how like, crummy I'd feel as a young kid going in there trying to, yeah, you know, get interviews better. and just kind of network and learn all that kind of stuff. And and I didn't even really get paid to do that. Mm-hmm. And this is her job, and he's just going at her. I can only imagine if someone went at me, like, that just, I just wouldn't sit well with me. And then the fact that he did it and pointed out that she was a female, like, that that just wasn't cool. 100%. I, I've seen it happen many times, too. And I've, I've covered plenty of women's sports. And none of them have ever disrespected me for being a guy trying to cover their sport. Like, especially Sue Guevara, who's our uh, basketball coach here for women's basketball last year, and I covered her. First thing she asked for when I asked her a question was my name. And, like, that stuck out to me right away because, you know, coaches just don't really do that. I don't care who the, who the media people are. But the, all of them respected me 100%. And, like, once, you know, I was around the team long enough, they were 100% cool with me. And it, it didn't feel like I was in a different environment. And I don't understand why it has to be the other way around when a woman's covering a guy's sport. You know what I'm saying? That that's that's the problem right there. You you just you just mentioned that that was Cam Newton's problem is, you know, they have the NBA, they have the WNBA, they have MLB, and then they have they have softball and and they have you know women's hockey and men's hockey, but they don't have a women's football team. There aren't women's football teams. Yes, there are girls that that play kicker on on high school teams, mm-hmm. but there are not females in the NFL and that is his problem is he he looks at that and that's that he can just target her that way you know that that's his way to kind of go at her um I don't know if it was because she didn't even ask a bad question so I don't really understand why why he even had to do that it I don't know Elena what, what do you think about all that yeah um, just it, just being a fellow female if yeah. that was you in that situation what well like this is what like what I'm going into too like I want to go into reporting like not necessarily maybe football but I do want to do something like that and so it's like 2017 Cam like come on like, there's so many women in the sports industry, and, like, just to go at her like that, and him saying he has daughters and wants them to be whatever they want, like, you're supposed to be a role model, and when you're doing that, it just, I yeah, mean. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. Why did he say that? Why did he say that he had, he says, I'm a father to two beautiful young daughters. Yeah, why did he say that? I don't. He said, why did he say that? He said that because that was in his apology. He had exactly, to say that. Exactly. He had to pull something out to try to make it a little bit better so it wouldn't, you know, seem as bad. And then the thing that really messes with me is the fact that right after he said that he has two beautiful daughters and he tries to, you know, tell them that, that they can do anything and they can be anything that they want to be, he says, you know, I lost I, I've lost my sponsors and I've lost countless fans. Where's the apology? Like, where is the, where, where is like the apology to start? Yeah. Stop worrying about yourself. Say something like, about some like, other like, people, the people that you offended. Exactly. <laughs> name her by name, apologize to her. And then, okay, then you can go into all the other stuff, but. It's yeah. all about the order. The order shows how much you care. I ask you, Andy, I say, what you know? What, what are your three favorite foods? And you might give me pizza, hot dogs, and, and nachos. Well, I know you like pizzas <laughs> and pizza the most because you mentioned that first. That the first thing that came to your mind. So the first thing that came to his mind was his daughters. The second thing was the fact that he lost sponsors yeah. and then fans. But where's like the real apology? There? Yeah, exactly. Where's the apology to the person? It just shows he doesn't care. Like, I, I understand that, you know, a lot of athletes, especially at that level and stuff, they, they don't really care who we are. You know, when, when, we're, when we're giving them an interview, sure, you build relationships with them over time and, like, you know, they start to trust you more and more. But it, when you offend a person like that, and obviously it offends everybody else, you know, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't mean it because obviously he should mean the apology that he gives. But even if he didn't mean it, why why, why are you not trying to make yourself look better, you know, from a certain standpoint? Like he's, he's just hurting himself by not apologizing to her. Hundred percent. He he. Hundred percent should mean what he says. But I'm just saying, even if it's had, if he's just like, oh, I don't really care. Why aren't you still saying sorry to the person? Like you're just making yourself look like an idiot. To be exactly. Honest. Exactly. And I don't really understand. I mean, I think if he really did care, he wouldn't have said it. And I think if maybe yes, okay, he slips up. Catch yourself. But then don't you laugh. Should, don't laugh. On st- when he's giving 
like when he's making the comment and he realizes he said that, he should have exactly. corrected himself right away. Don't keep Especially laughing. Especially when nobody's laughing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and after when I, I, I don't know if she approached him mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah, she but did. she said it was worse. So right there is like, dude, you had two chances and then you yeah. blew it. And then you had your, then you had your apology that you said you wouldn't give. You said, I'm not giving an apology. I'm not giving an apology. What did it take him like two days? They take him two days to, yeah. to give the apology. So you take all that time, right, to figure out, you know, what the heck you want to do. You lose a sponsor, and then you apologize, and you, you screw up your apology. Over for 3. Batter out. Back when Cam Newton used to be in college, like, personally, I always thought of him as a good person, thought of him as a good athlete. Like, I liked him personally, liked his whole, the way that he played the game and the mentality and stuff. But ever since the Super Bowl and they lost to Denver, and he got super, like, pouty and stuff after that and everything, and then when he has a situation like this, he's so, like, self-conceited that I, I just I can't stand the guy anymore. Like, just, just watching it personally, he just thinks about himself more than he thinks about anybody else. And, and when you do something like this, it's just completely unacceptable. And to just kind of run away from it rather than attack it, um, and not attack it, but, you know, come back to it and truly apologize to the person that you're offending. It's just, I think it just says a lot about the person that he is. and It's not a good image or a good look on him at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at least he played well on Sunday. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, don't know. I mean, good, good for him. They didn't I stop mean, him against the Lions. <laughs> you know what? But that, you know, that's the thing, though. If you know, you can go be with whoever you want to be, and you can do whatever you want to do, and say whatever you want to say. You know, congrats, you had a great game. But who really cares about that when they look at your image? You yeah, know? No, I, at, no, no one's gonna look at him and say, "Oh man, that game where he threw for three touchdowns against the Lions and and beat the Lions." People aren't gonna care. People, say, don't, people, people don't care about that what today. He said to that woman. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. People don't care about the fact that he beat the Lions Mm-mm. even today. Yeah, maybe some Besides cared. fans, that's yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Anybody that's non non has a non-bias towards them or is in the business or whatever, at least I've found since I've been doing this kind of stuff, like, it's not even like, like I still like sports. I still, I still love sports in general. It's all I know. But I do find myself, like, caring about my job aspect of it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And, like, sports goes beyond just the field, like, what happens on the field. I know it's a really cliche thing to say. But, like, I found that out with more and more of the stories that I've wrote. Like, I, I would rather do it on that kind of stuff because of the person that they are, the personality that they have behind it. That's what people like to read, especially because that's how you get people, like, interested that, you know, aren't into sports or don't know anything about it. They see a headline like that. This is the kind of headline that is still going to get those same exact kind of people to read, but it's not going to be for the right reason. It's going to be for mm-hmm. you looking like a really bad image. Yep. And that, like, exa- you can go back to the stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago with all the, the kneeling and everything. No one's reading it for the sports. No one's reading it for who won that game. They're looking at all the stuff for, you know, they love what, the drama. They love the drama. They love exactly. everything that's going on. And and you're just creating more drama in yourself. And it's definitely a negative uh, perception that you get. Um, Put them on the Kardashians at this point, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, overall, Cam, fix yourself, man. Like, yeah, say sorry. Be be more honest about what. What did you say that he came out with today? I think you said oh, with, a, with a pin or something. Oh yeah, yeah. The whole thing was. <laughs> Where is it at here? He came out with a Rosie the Riveter pin on his head against the lines on his hat that he had. It was Rosie the Riveter from the iconic We Can Do It poster mm-hmm. uh, that went around uh, during World War II. And that was that was a big deal all about how like women can be helping out in the war. Even if they are back at home, like they could still do so much to help. And they went into the workforce and they, you know, they, you know, the men they had to go off and fight and the women, I mean, yeah, some of them even went off and, and helped and they were undercover and all that kind of stuff. But as far as back home, they worked, you know, in, in the workplaces and all that kind of stuff. And it was all about that. And he, he arrived at Ford Field for the Game of Alliance with a pin on his hat showing an image of Rosie the Riveter from that poster. Pathetic. <laughs> I, yeah, that's just, it's just fake Pathetic. to me. I don't, I don't think it's like, it's like, man, what are you even trying to do at that point? I mean, what, would you take anything back from that? No. <laughs> no. It's, he, the damage is done. We know what kind of guy he is now, really. 
exactly. <laughs> I, it, it, honestly, it's a bad look on Cam. Uh, it's not. It's not a hit on the NFL. I think that's strike four because you're really <laughs> trying too hard to make up for it, and it, you really don't seem like you care. No, I, I mean strike four. The guy's immediate reaction <laughs> to the question already made it hard enough on himself. Like you know, when if if I if you say your opinion to me on this podcast right now, and I lean back in my chair and laugh and like you know roll my eyes at you. That's probably gonna like make you think, wow, this you know, this guy's kind of a, an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, like that. That's probably what you're gonna think of me. But like that, that's the same kind of thing. And it's even worse when it's you know, for something that you know she can't help. Like she's a woman, she's trying to do her job, and yeah, you know, you're putting her down. And that's where. And but that's the thing, though. I mean, you, you know, say you say something, I lean back, I roll my eyes at you. You can you can come back. We can we can bounce. Yeah, we can back argue. and forth. But in that situation, what's she supposed to say? Exactly. What do you what do you say? And like you said, she wasn't even saying anything. It wasn't a bad question. That was a like, great question. It yeah. was a great question. Yeah, yeah, no, it was outstanding. That's right. You're asking about a new guy in the offense that's starting to get his role bigger, Devin Funchness. Like, that, that's a great point. <laughs> I agree with that 100. percent Like, he's he's starting to get a bigger role, and you're asking you're asking a question about it. I think I saw something that said that her like news outlet or something like was what pushed her to ask the question. Like, someone made a joke like that, or he made a joke. Yeah. I forget where I where I saw that from, but someone said that like, oh, like he, he she didn't really think of that question. Someone just told her to ask it. Like. That's completely ridiculous, man. Like, anybody can do what we do to think of questions. You just have to get good at it. Like, anybody can get good at it. It, it does not matter if you're a, a man or a woman. So, ridiculous. Nevertheless, uh, Cam, overall, just you, you got to fix your image, man. Going on to the stud and dud, um, uh, we wrap up our podcast every single week. Uh, Lane, I'll start with you. What's your stud? Uh, Jose Altuve, he had three home runs in game one. That was huge. Game two, he comes out big again, two for three. And game three, he was three for four, so... Guy's a winner. Yeah, guy he is. is a winner, and he and he he's like the smallest dude <laughs> you'll you'll ever watch play baseball. But man, that guy can just hit and hit and hit, and it, it's just all in his swing. He's the he's the definition to me of like when you're when you're young and you're growing up and playing baseball, and they tell you that you know you're it doesn't matter how big you are, it's all about your swing if you're gonna get power in it. It doesn't really matter if you're the big guy or if you look like Aaron Judge or you look like him. He's still a guy that can hit bombs because right. of, just because his swing is so compact and good, like right right down to the book. So good stud there. Yeah, and my stud is yet another winner, uh, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he hit Devontae Adams uh, for a touchdown to beat Dallas with just seconds left on the clock. He does it over and over again. This guy, it's all he does. All he does is win football games. It doesn't matter who he has as his receivers. It doesn't matter who his running back is. It doesn't matter his defense. He just wins football games, and that's that's so impressive to me. Finished yesterday 19 for 29 for 221 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and then four carries on the ground for 32 yards. That that's a stat line of a pure winner right there. He doesn't do anything. Doesn't have to do anything too crazy. Doesn't have to look cool doing it. You know, doesn't have to to do any anything super special. Doesn't have to do backflips in the end zone or, or whatever. Do any touchdown celebrations, but he just gets the job done, and that's what matters. And I, I like that a lot. Um, I and obviously Aaron Rodgers just the play before even through that touchdown when mm-hmm. he ran to get the first down. I mean, that was just like so impressive. Like he just moved his way. I was thinking I was watching the game. I'm like, they're just gonna get a field goal out of this. Probably go to overtime. That's just honestly what's gonna be. And he just didn't give up. He just kept moving the ball. The thing that blows my mind about him is, like I was saying, he doesn't do anything, you know, kind of crazy special. But it's all crazy special. It just looks really easy when he mm-hmm. does it. Like he, he's just one of those guys where you just watch him and, and you can just watch him all day. And he's it, had his very short tough games, but like overall, the guy just always finds a way to bounce back. Mm-hmm. And he's he's already uh, given Detroit their scare this year with oh, uh, yeah. him him uh, bringing his team back early. So. He is like I forget how many I think it was four different offensive linemen he's already had to switch out, and they're four and one. So. That shows where Aaron Rodgers is at. Um, my stud that I'm picking this week is Mark D'Antonio. Um, 
it doesn't really matter. And I'll go back to 2015, the first time that Michigan and Michigan State played. Michigan lost that game, obviously on a, a, a very fluke play. Um, but Harbaugh coached Mark D'Antonio in that game, in my opinion. Last year, overall, for a majority of the game, it was obviously not – it got close towards the end, and they started to come back, and Michigan kind of ended the game bad. But Harbaugh coached him in that game. This game, Mark D'Antonio outcoached Jim Harbaugh 100%, and he's beat him 8 out of the 11 times that he's played. I was just talking to Elaine about this last night when we were uh, leaving here um, about how I feel like watching Michigan the last 11 years, I feel like they really haven't lost 8 times, but it really has been that much. It's just like it's starting to become something that is just it, it doesn't end. It's the new norm. Exactly, and until until Michigan can do something about it, that's just the way that it is, and he 100% deserves all the credit in the world. and. The guy ever since the comment was made, obviously way back with Mike Hart, which I, I don't really agree with that being brought up all the time because Mike Hart didn't have a losing record against Michigan State, so what's the problem with it? It's also not but, playing now either. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, when that when that gets brought back up, I'm like, okay, that's the stupidest thing ever. Like it, it's something dumb to keep going back to because Mike Hart did beat Michigan State. He, he did make them look like the little brother in quotes there. But right now, Michigan definitely looks like that team. So Mark D'Antonio, you're my stud. Um, dud, I'll go back to you, Evan. Ben Roethlisberger uh, is my dud. His Pittsburgh Steelers team lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, thirty to nine. Yes, this is the Jaguars. I feel like they did they do it to the uh, Ravens a couple weeks ago too. Didn't they blow them out pretty bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's weird to me. Anyway, Roethlisberger, thirty three for fifty five, three hundred and twelve yards. Okay, like three hundred and twelve yards sounds pretty cool, right? But no <laughs> touchdowns and five interceptions. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, I can count. <laughs> that's that's rough, really rough, and that's just dud worthy. All around the board, no <laughs> doubt about it. Mm-hmm. All right, my dad is Cam Newton, but only because of his off-field. Yeah. <laughs> stuff, like we so. talked about. Yeah. Like, that, that's Doesn't 100% be... reasonable. Yep. He's someone that deserves that this week, 100%. Um, mine is <laughs> something that I guess if you're living under a rock, you probably haven't seen it. But uh, the, I think it's, it's Chris Forrester, I believe, is his, is his last name, how to pronounce it. Um, I'm not going to repeat what was said in the video. You guys can go watch it yourself because that would not be appropriate to put on anything. But um, he was he uh, ended up getting a video of himself all over Twitter of him uh, actually snorting cocaine through a dollar bill. Um, and it got kind of published all over, and he said some explicits during it and a lot of things that you know shouldn't be said. I don't really know what to think about this. All I know is it's an absolute dud. I saw, I saw, something, I saw something that said that you know when you're coaching for Miami – and you have that bad of an offensive line for, for X amount of years in a row. That's the best line that you're ever going to get right there. And I oh lost God. it. I lost my cool. I lost it. But <laughs> obviously not appropriate at all. No. Uh, 100% not appropriate. 100% not okay. That's a mess. That's how you lose your job right there. You do something like you lose your job no matter where you're working if you do something like that, man. It doesn't matter where you're working. You're it, right. Like it, it, it just about puts me in tears when I even like think about that. I'm just like, man, this guy, like what what was he thinking? Like you're coaching the NFL, whether it's for the Dolphins that, you know, in general have kind of sucked. Well, the thing lately. that's what's funny is he's one of the like the he was he was at the, now was yeah. one of the highest paid assistant coaches mm-hmm. in the NFL. I mean I get where I now, now we know now, where he's doing with the money. Who knows what else he was doing with the money when he got it? He gave, gave that much up just for cocaine. Come on, man! How he, like, how does that even get out? Like, what do you? The you video somebody, came out. That's what social media video. does, man. It proves yeah. how dangerous it is. Like, you, you really, you really, especially with stuff like that, that can absolutely ruin your career. You just, you, you simply can't make that mistake. But that's all we got for this week on Unsportsmanlike Conduct. We thank you guys for listening and follow CM Life and CM Life Sports on Twitter for more updates on any of the sports scenes around here. That's what we're published through. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.